just, it's, it's crazy in a matter of just a week or two how life can just change and, and how from one moment we are just enjoying things the next that we are quarantined and schools are getting canceled and sports and everything are getting uh, postponed and canceled and moved around and it can lead to a lot of uncertain time. And so, so I thought it was very fitting that as I prayed about which passage to preach on, uh, which passage to go through, uh, I just thought this passage uh, uh, would be so fitting and so timely. And that is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And so while um, while I get started, if you have your copy of God's Word or your phone or whatever else, if you want to open it up to Philippians 4, 4 through 7, that is what we're going to be looking at tonight um, as we go through this. And so uh, we certainly live in times where it can be really crazy. I mean, just uh, this, this virus and everything else, it can lead us to being worried. It can lead us just about different things of what's going to happen. I mean, just some people, let's say seniors in high school, just am I going to be able to have prom? Am I going to be able to walk across stage? Seniors in college, am I going to be able to work all these four years and, and to be able to have commencement and have that and earn that degree? Maybe there's some people that are older that their 401k in just a matter of a week or two, 25% of it gone. And that can be very scary. That can be very uh, worrisome for many people. Many people who are older may be worrying about their, their uh, life and just how this could affect them. Um, I think in times of trial and difficulties, I think it truly reveals uh, just what we are truly placing our hope in, what we are truly placing our stock in, and um, it truly uh, shows just uh, where ultimately um, our hope is with our time and money and efforts. I thought Pastor Kenneth, just this past Sunday, brought it up very well as what are our priorities? Um, What are our priorities, and do we truly live out those priorities? And so I think during these times, it can be, uh, it can be very worrisome. But uh, this beautiful passage in Philippians shows us that we don't have to be anxious for anything. Uh, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, we can make a request known to God. And his peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so... And so what I, want, uh, what I want us to do is open up, our word, uh, open up our copy of God's Word to Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And the main point I want us to understand, the main point I want us to understand out of this uh, is this, that, that true peace can only be found by joy and thankfulness in Christ Jesus. That, that true peace can only be found through joy and thankfulness in Christ Jesus. Jesus, because us as fallen, sinful human beings, we're prone to want to just find our hope and anchor and peace in all of creation, but the creator himself. And I think during this time, it's revealed a lot of that. I mean, with sports being canceled, a lot of us are saying, okay, what am I going to do now that, that sports are, that are off, that, that hockey and baseball is postponed and, and the NFL season might be pushed back? What, what am I going to do? And I think it's revealed a lot of our heart of what we're placing stock in. Maybe some of us having to work from home and spend time with people and just understanding, do we place enough stock in spending time with our family and, and caring for one another? Uh, even, even in silly ways of people fighting over just toilet paper and, and, and soap and just needs. It, it can be so worrisome during this time. 
And so what I want us to understand is that none of these can give us true peace. Not saying anything, any of these things are inherently bad. I'm not saying sports are bad. I'm not saying just having money and wanting to be financially secure is bad. Not saying that just uh, having some toilet paper and soap and wanting to take precautions during these uncertain times are bad. But when we elevate those above Christ, then that's when it truly becomes sinful. And what I want us to understand is we may not know what tomorrow holds, but we can know the one who holds tomorrow. And that is Jesus Christ, because only true peace can come through joy and thankfulness in Christ alone. So if you have your copy of God's word, we are going to be, uh, like I said, looking at Philippians 4, 4 through 7. So that way we can uh, have all that set. And this is the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, we are so thankful for you. We are so thankful just for your peace that is beyond understanding. We are so thankful just uh, for the joy we can find in him, that we can be rest in just his finished work on the cross. So God, I pray in these uncertain times, you will give us a certain hope that can only come from you. God, I, I pray that during this time, you will just hide me behind your cross, hide me behind your word, and just let your truth speak for itself. That, that your truth will be made known. It'll take root in our hearts and we'll be able to live that out and truly rest in you and find true peace that only comes through you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what Paul is wanting us to understand in this is, is he is giving us four truths out of this passage. More specifically, he's giving us three commands that we are to obey, and then one promise we are to get if we are obedient to those first three commands. And so the first command is this that comes in verse four, which is rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. That is the first command we are to have. And the Philippian church that Paul is writing to had many things to be worried about at this time. I mean, they were frightened by external opposition. They were frightened by internal opposition. They were worried about Paul and Epaphroditus. They were worried about even God's provision. And I think many of that can even be compared uh, in some ways to today. We're worried about external opposition about what's going to happen, let's say, with the coronavirus, with the economy. We see these things left and right, and it can just worry us and overwhelm us. Or at the same time, we hear about it so much that it just bogs us down that we don't want to hear about it anymore. It could be internal opposition just between uh, just us and family members and other people. It could be that uh, we're worried for other family members. There could be a grandparent. There could be a parent. There could be uh, people that just uh, are immune deficient that we're really worried about. And, and that can cause us to, to, to just be uncertain of what's going to happen and want to make sure they're okay. 
or even just uh, provision during this time. Many people just not having uh, that steady income during this time because of all the cancellations and postponements of things that we're worried of. Where's my next paycheck going to come from? Where, where is the income that's going to come into to, to help me with these things? And what Paul starts out with, that it's so important that Paul starts everything by focusing on Christ, that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. That it is so important, he mentioned it twice. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And so, okay, if we are to rejoice in the Lord, and that's the first thing we are to do, then we have to understand what does rejoice mean? And what rejoice means, it means to delight in and experience and be glad for God's grace. To delight in, to experience, and to be glad for God's grace. And there is two main ways that we can truly delight in God's grace. And and the first one is this, is that Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. It says in John 16, 33, where Jesus says, I have come to give you peace. And that in this world, you will face trials and tribulations, but take heart for I have overcome the world. That Jesus has come in to this world, took on flesh, lived a perfect sinless life, and took on everything the world could throw at him. All temptations, all of that, and has overcome everything. Most importantly, our sin. That he's overcome sin, the death, and grave. And that is one of the first things we can do. The first of two ways we can rejoice in the Lord, that Jesus has overcome everything especially, and most importantly, our sin. And because he has overcome the world and it's because he has overcome our sin, that means we can rejoice in the second way, which is that we can have peace with God. We can have peace with God because Jesus has overcome death and the grave and all of sin and its consequences. How it says in Romans 5, 1 and 2, that we have been justified by God through Christ and we've obtained access to him by his grace through Christ. So we are to rejoice in this grace. We are to delight in this because we know that we can truly have peace with God, knowing that Jesus has overcome everything, has eliminated the barriers, has torn down the veil, and we can enter into the Holy of Holies and have a relationship with God. And we can rejoice in that. And it is so important that we start with that because the thing is, the important thing is we can never have the peace of God God until we have peace with God. We can never experience the peace of God until we have peace with God. That's why we are to rejoice in the Lord, not in our own abilities, not in our own uh, financial means, not in anything we have. We are to rejoice in the Lord because everything comes from him. We can never truly experience that peace of him until we make things right with him. And the only thing, the only way we can make things right with him is by repenting of our sins, turning from our old way of living and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. And so if you haven't done that yet, then I encourage you. I plead you and I beg of you to to repent of your sins and to turn to Jesus. So not only can you have peace, peace with God, but then you can truly experience the peace of God because we can rejoice in the Lord always. That is only him who can give us peace through any trial and tribulation and circumstances. He can provide us peace in the middle of all of this hecticness. 
And again, it says, we are to rejoice in the Lord always. So that doesn't mean sometimes. That doesn't mean when things are going great. That doesn't mean when it's most convenient for us. We are to rejoice in the Lord always. So, so let me ask us this. When is the last time that we just took time to thank God just for his grace? Just delighting in all that he has done for us, all that he has given us, and all that he continues to do. Uh, because this word rejoice, what it means, it's what's called a present active verb. And so just basically what that means is, is to rejoice in the Lord always. To rejoice, being a present active verb, means it's not just a one-time event. What that means, it's a continual habit and lifestyle we are supposed to live out and obey on a daily basis. We are to rejoice in the Lord always. That if we rejoice in the Lord always, if we are focused on him, knowing that he has overcome sin and death and the grave and everything else, then it can help us obey uh, and live out verse 5, and our reasonableness will be made known to everyone. Our reasonableness will be made known to everyone, and that reasonableness is, is gentle. It's meaning gentle. So we can be gentle in the middle of the craziest storms when we focus on him. That, that his testimony is what we live out. That we are to rejoice in the Lord always because we are to focus on Christ, not our circumstances. That we are to focus on our Savior and not our situation. Knowing that we can rejoice in the Lord always. That he has overcome sin, he has overcome death, he has overcome the grave. And knowing that he has taken on all of this, as it says in Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, he took on and partook of flesh and removed just the chains of death and the power that held us over it, which was Satan. And that when we are tempted, he can understand and help us when we are tempted. That's the first command. We are to rejoice in the Lord always. And when we rejoice in the Lord always, then we'll be able to obey the second command, which is this. We are to do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And that's what it says in in the first half of verse six. Like it says, do not be anxious about anything. What that word anxious means, it means to be distracted. It means to, to be drawn in the opposite direction of something. And what anxiety tries to do, it tries to draw us in the opposite direction of Jesus Christ and his cross. It tries to distract us away from Christ and his finished work on the cross. Anxiety tries to cause us to worry as if God isn't in control or isn't the ruler of all. The moment that we worry, we forget that God is ultimately in control. So how high do we hold the sovereignty of God? Do we believe that he is the ruler of all? Do we believe that our worries are are too much greater for him? This is why we must get this first command right of rejoicing in the Lord always. And we can only do that by his grace and by his strength. That when we are continually focused on the cross of Christ, we're continually focused on him, seeing all that he has done and all that he will continue to do, that we know and we have that confidence in him, then that can help us not be anxious about anything, knowing that Jesus has overcome everything. It makes me think of that beautiful uh, hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. 
And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If we are so focused on Christ, then we won't be distracted or pulled away by what the world tries to overwhelm us with and worry us with. Because Christ will hold us fast. Uh, Another verse I would use to help describe this is Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, where it says we are to run this race with endurance. That we have this great cloud of witnesses around us. These other people in the hall of faith that, that truly trusted God through everything and had these powerful testimonies through it all. That because we have seen what Christ has done and we've seen his faithfulness in the lives of others, that we are to run this race with endurance, that we are to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us. We run this race with endurance, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the founder and perfecter of our faith. A way I would describe it is kind of like blinders on a racehorse, where where uh, uh, jockeys will put these blinders on a racehorse to where all they see is just the finish line. That's all they see, that they're not distracted by anything on the sides. They're not distracted by the sidelines. Nothing there distracts them. All they're focused on is what's ahead, and that is what they're running to. And that is, in many ways, how we are to live this life, by running with endurance, step by step, looking to Jesus every step of the way, that we are so focused, so pinpoint focused on him, that everything else fades in comparison. Everything else pales in comparison, because we are so focused on him. That's why it says he is the author and finisher of our faith. Not only has Jesus brought us into this race by repenting of our sins and believing in him, not only has he given us peace with God and brought us into this race, but not only says he's the author, but he's the finisher of our faith. That if Jesus has brought us into this race, he will give us the endurance and grace to run until the end. That he is with us every step of the way until we cross that finish line. That we are to not be anxious about anything because Jesus has overcome everything. And we know that because we are rejoicing in the Lord always, that we are to not be anxious about anything. And because of those first two, we can now obey the third command, which is this, is that we are to pray with a thankful attitude as the second half of verse six says. We are to pray with a thankful attitude. Because we're so focused on Christ that we won't be distracted by our worries. But more than that, our hearts will be so filled with gratitude that he cares for us and that he's there for us. That we can just, knowing that his will will be done and that, that he will do everything for our good and his glory. That, that we can throw all of our cares upon him. That we can cast up all of our prayers to him. That's why it says, Paul says, in everything, let your requests be made known to God. So not just dire circumstances and not just small circumstances. No, no, but in everything. Think about this. We serve a God who cares about every tiny detail about our life. And scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 7, we are to cast all of our anxieties onto him because he cares about us. We are to cast all of our anxieties onto him because he cares about us. So, so if we are to make all of our requests be made known to him, how are we supposed to do that? And it says by two ways. It says by prayer 
and by supplication, as the verse says. And so what prayer means, prayer is calling on God to come through on his promise. We're calling on God to come through on his promise. And so what that means is we are calling on God to come through on his promise that when we are truly focused on him and rejoicing in him and looking to him, then, then we are knowing and praying that he will come through on his promise that he will give us peace that surpasses all understanding. That we are calling on God to come through on his promise through prayer. The second one is through supplication. And, and what supplication means, it might say supplication. Some versions might say a petition. And what that means, it's a request arising out of a deep personal need. It's, it's a request arising out of a deep personal need. Because here's the thing, we need God daily. We need his grace. We just, we need his love. We need his guidance and his wisdom. That's why it says in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, give us today our daily bread. We need him daily. We need God for our salvation We need God for us to help rejoice in him, even when it's difficult not to, or when maybe we don't feel like it. We need God to sustain us, and we need him in every situation that we face. Uh, A a way I'll describe this is is for us to pray and constantly praying to him, and that be our our knee-jerk reaction, almost like muscle memory. That be our initial thing. A way I would describe this, an analogy I would give for this is, a lot of times we could be, well, not now, but out and about hanging out with friends and we're talking about something going, okay, what is the answer to that? Or where have I heard that before? Oh, like loving trivia. And what is the first thing that we love to do when we want an answer to something? We Google it. We Google it. We quickly pull out our phones and we Google it so much so it's become a word in the dictionary that we Google it. That has just become such a knee-jerk reaction that whenever we want an answer to something, whenever we want to find something out, we Google it. And so uh, what I would say is, is, is that should be our knee-jerk response when things come about in our life, when things happen in life, is that, is that our knee-jerk reaction, our, our, our immediate response should be to fall on our knees in prayer to God. Is that we should be in prayer to God and bring everything to him. So when situations happen, when things happen in uh, life, even when things like this, where we don't know what tomorrow's gonna be because we get all these different news articles and what's gonna happen and think about other things, our knee-jerk reaction should be praying to God and make all of our requests be made known to him. No matter how grand, no matter how small, God cares about all of it. And we can pray with a thankful attitude, knowing that God hears all of this and cares about all of this. We can be thankful that when we pray, we have the creator of the universe's undivided attention that wants to provide for us and help us be faithful witnesses for him. So when great news or bad news hits, where is the first place that we turn? What is is our instinctual habit when these things happen? Do we turn to social media? Do we turn to friends? Do we turn to money? Do we turn to uh, uh, sports, things like that? Or do we turn to Christ? As followers of Christ, our instinct should be to turn to him in all circumstances. The more we look to Christ and all that he's done, the more our hearts will just be overwhelmed with gratitude and make all of our requests known to him. That when we do this, when we rejoice in the Lord always, when, when we are not to be anxious about anything, 
And when we pray with a thankful attitude, when we obey these three commands, then we'll be able to receive this promise in, in, in the last truth that Paul gives us, and that is the unsurpassable peace of God. The unsurpassable peace of God. This is what it says in verse 7. That in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It says the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. He will guard our hearts and minds. That is a promise that he will come through. And that is why we pray. We're praying that he comes through on his promise and he will do that. So if we rejoice in the Lord always and we won't be anxious, we make all of our requests known to him. We pray with this thankful attitude. There is this guarantee that his peace will guard our hearts and minds in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not maybe, not he'll get back to us, not not that he'll, he'll think about it, but that he will come through on that promise. A similar thing to this is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That if we want to receive this peace of God, we must yoke ourselves with Christ, meaning we must align ourselves with Christ. That again, we submit our life to him, knowing that he has a better plan for us and he will guide us and he will help us through everything. That is what we are to turn to on these things. So let me ask you this, with all this news and everything going on, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you worried about just what's going to happen or all these things going on? I I encourage you, I, I plead you, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He waits with us with his arms wide open, ready to help us and to guide us and to help us every step of the way that we can cast all of our worries, cast all of our anxieties upon him. Now, something this passage does not say that I think is so important is not is not say that if we rejoice in him and if we're not anxious about anything and that if we pray with a thankful attitude, it does not promise us that he will deliver us from our circumstances and our situation. It does not promise us that he will remove us from what we are currently facing. That is not what he's saying. It says his peace will meet us in the middle of our circumstances. It will meet us in the middle of all of these things and will guard us through this. That that Jesus said we would face tribulations, but again, he has overcome them and we can rest in that promise. That if we are focusing on Christ, even in the middle of the worst circumstances, then we shall conform more into his image in the middle of all of it. That no matter what things are, that we're leaning just that much more into his grace. We're leaning that much more into his sovereignty. We're leaning that much more trusting him, knowing that not only has he overcome everything, but that he cares about all that we say and that he will give us all that we need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Not, not that we can just live comfortably, but knowing that we can be a better follower of him and shine his light brightly even when things seem dark. That this peace he gives us, it surpasses all understanding. I mean, how wonderful it is to think about that. This peace surpasses all understanding. That this peace the Lord gives us is beyond our comprehension. That this peace of God is greater than the most worrisome thoughts and fears we could ever fathom. 
Uh, listen to what it says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, that God's thoughts are greater than our thoughts, which means his peace is greater than our worst circumstances. This peace surpasses all understanding. It surpasses all comprehension. It surpasses all circumstances because this peace we are receiving is beyond anything this earth has seen because it is a gift from heaven. That we are given heavenly peace that can help us through earthly circumstances. It doesn't just say it will relieve us of our fears, though. It says it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What that means, it means this peace of God. It floods our hearts and minds, and it, and it drowns out all of the worries that could be taken captive and holding that, and that it guards our hearts and minds from any sort of attacks from the enemy. That's because it is guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, not our abilities, not our strengths, not our talents, none of that, but it's guarded in Christ Jesus, that we can rest in him. Again, that Jesus has overcome the world, sin and the grave, and it's in him, his peace, that it is guarding our hearts and minds. Jesus has overcome every fear and worry, and we can trust in his peace and will guard us. That he promises he will give us a peace that guards our hearts and minds, a peace that we can rejoice in him, a peace where we can not be anxious about anything, and a peace where we can pray with a thankful attitude, knowing that he hears all of this. So maybe that's some of us tonight. Maybe that's some of us this past week, just a week ago, we might have not thought much of any of this. And just in a week time, just it seems like the world has turned upside down on its head. And we don't know where to look or where to turn or how to react. But I'm here to tell us that in this time, that no matter what the world throws at us and no matter what happens in the world, that we can have this peace which is beyond understanding, beyond comprehension, beyond anything this world could fathom. Because it is a peace that comes from Christ. That his peace is our anchor that the cross of Christ is our anchor in the middle of all of these storms. That we can have peace in the middle of all of this. So focus on Christ, not your circumstances. Run to Jesus. Cast all of your cares upon him because he cares about you. True peace can only be found through joy and thankfulness in Christ Jesus. And so I want you to take heart that no matter what happens that that we don't know how long this might last we don't know how long things could happen or every day just seems to be a new adventure but what is constant and what is the same and what is true is our lord jesus christ who is the same yesterday today and forever and then we can have his peace which is beyond all understanding so that is my encouragement for you to rejoice in the Lord always, to focus on him and his finished work on the cross, that when you do that and knowing that he's overcome everything, we won't be anxious about anything. And that because we won't be anxious about anything and we can rejoice in him, we can pray with a thankful attitude, knowing that not only Christ has overcome everything, not only has his grace brought us into this race and run with endurance and he'll help us finish, but he cares about us every step of the way. When we do that, we will receive a peace that is beyond 
understanding. Because again, true peace can only come through joy and thankfulness in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you guys. Dear Lord, thank you just so much for tonight. Thank you just so much for all that you do. Thank you for just your son, Jesus, that his peace is beyond understanding, that even we live in uncertain times, we can have faith in a certain Lord, that we have an anchor in the most dire of times or crazy of times. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and all that he has done. I pray that we look to him during these times. I pray that we lean more into him during these times. And I pray as we lean more into him and focus on him and run to him and cling to him, that we will shine him that much more in our lives. That when things seem that much more darker, we will shine his light brighter. That, that we can shine this to people that might seem to have no hope or in searching for hope. And we can give them this hope that is beyond this world, this hope that is beyond understanding, and this hope that we can rest assured in. Thank you so much, God, for all that you do and all that you continue to do and all that you will continue to do. And we will give you all of the praise and all of the glory that you will properly do. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.